it's quite, why did, why did it take work. you so long to get out here then? <laughs> uh, well, I was on two Zoom calls yeah. while driving, um, <laughs> coming down. So I had to pull over actually a couple times where the service is less than ideal. So it, uh, yeah, it took a little longer today, but normally yeah, about 35 minutes, something like that. So pretty well known by people who live in the city as, um, as sort of where they go to play. It's the, uh, quote, adventure capital of Canada. And I think it does a good job of living up to that. Uh, maybe only second to Canmore, which I'm a little bit biased by, but that's uh, uh, just. I've only been to Squamish, so I can't really say. Yeah, it's okay. a pretty. It's a pretty spectacular place for sure. So I imagine you mountain bike and all that kind of stuff, or what's I do your not mountain sport? bike. <clears throat> really? No, God, no. Don't tell um, Theo; he'll be pissed. I know. I, I have a mountain bike. I can go on mountain biking cross country missions, but uh, as uh, excuse me. <clears throat> I'll edit that out you, if you I can button figure perfect. out. Um, mountain biking. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> one of the things about growing up in Alberta is, uh, A, you don't really want to ride your bike that much because the wind will literally blow you over and you just walk your bike. It's atrocious. Um, and then secondly, you don't really have the mountains to, to sort of figure out how to downhill mountain bike. So when I first right. moved out to the... Uh, to Squamish, actually, Britannia Beach is where I was living. It's uh, two minutes out of town there. And uh, they have these fantastic mountain biking trails. And behind, I got uh, got this bike off of uh, this kid from Whistler. Got it cheap. It was all in good working order. It was really, really well done. Um, and I crashed that bad boy on about the third time I rode it. And I decided that I do not like sports where you crash every time head first. Right. Like mountain bikers don't fall off the back very often. You don't see them with like right, yeah. butt bruises unless they already have like facial trauma. Um, but yeah, the amount of the amount of people walking around that town with their arm in a sling or like a broken collarbone or yeah. like gnarly face rash. Uh, mountain biking is definitely uh, above my pay grade. So I do not uh, partake. So skiing, I would imagine. Yeah, a little yeah. snowboarding, a little backcountry skiing for sure. Uh, rock climbing, I think, was what brought me out there initially. Okay, cool. Um, before I got into real estate, I, uh, I was working in the oil field and I spent two summers kind of bombing around sort of here, there and everywhere, BC, um, <clears throat> for about four months the first year and eight months the second time. Um, and the second time I spent most of that in Squamish at I was sort of realizing that I was going to be getting into real estate and I wanted to go to a market that I could start fresh and not get run over, like sort of maybe a big city. Um, I didn't know much about it. I only had one friend in real estate um, to sort of give me advice. Um, and then when I found Squamish, it was just a slam dunk. It was uh, completely underpriced compared to things around it. It's in between Whistler, which is one of the most expensive property um areas in Canada. And then Vancouver, of course, we all know is, uh, is always top one or two. So Squamish being right in the middle, less than half price for a house, uh, 2014, I guess, 2013, something like that. Um, made a lot of sense to start my career there. And then, uh, when I actually moved the first time, um, landed in Britannia beach, it was even cheaper. Um, a little town with a bit of a stigma from uh, an industrial past. It had a large mine there for uh, almost a hundred years, and that's the one that like you're driving through to Whistler. Yeah, and you see, yeah, like, the uh, mine museum and all that. You might recognize it from uh, the X Files if uh, you ever caught any of those. But no. that might be a bit that might uh, that might age us there. Uh, anyway, not me. Yeah, the yeah. X Files, the big white building where the smoking man always was. It's Britannia Beach. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah, over they, my head. <laughs> not over my head. Yeah, but the housing prices there were even cheaper, um, and I had a really good opportunity to um, 
uh, take advantage of the uh, of the market there. The local realtor had an unfortunate run-in um, and was not in the best books with most people in town. Um, I'm not going to go into details on that. He's a lovely dude, uh, but it was just good timing for me to sort of show up fresh, fresh-eyed and, and bushy-tailed and and snag some listings. So, so what made you, what pushed you into real estate in the first place? Two things, three things. Um, first, I worked in the oil field. I made really good money. Um, what did you do in the oil field? Uh, I finished off as a derrick hand, but um, I, I could drill as well. I just didn't like that. A lot of responsibility. Um, so that's actually working on an oil drilling rig. Um, okay. Yeah, sort of the... Right. The, the hardcore, everything, everything you've heard about it is true. I've seen a video uh, of guys just getting after it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, lots changed and the safety's gone up and things like that. But it was still just a, a toxic job for anyone, I think. A lot of divorce, a lot of people not knowing their kids, uh, a lot of rolled trucks, uh, a lot of uh, drinking and driving incidents, um, a lot of injuries on the job, a lot of people getting right. maimed and killed. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to get away from that, but I didn't want to take a pay cut. So the other jobs where I had used my, um, my education in broadcasting and journalism um, didn't really pay all that yeah. great, right? So, well, you could always start a podcast. Yeah, now, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't even... <laughs> Touche. Um, there you go. Yeah, it, uh, it just seemed like a pretty, pretty good idea. I thought, you know, how can I make good money and, and use my skills? I'm always getting in trouble for talking too much and that sort of thing. I'm like, real estate sounds about right, so... Fortunately, the uh, the course and stuff was was pretty easy. I found and um, yeah, it's just another job helping people. It's uh, I'm blessed for sure. I'm lucky. Every day, every day I don't go back to the oil field. I'm a happy man. So um, that's my motivation. So that's I count two things, I guess. Number not, yeah. <laughs> not wanting to work in the oil field. Yes, the course was easy. You talk a lot. Yeah. Well, the, the, the course would, I guess, tie into the, uh, the having an education, I guess, in, in speaking. Um, I've been put in a lot of uh, positions of trust, right? Um, I worked on a cruise ship for a short period of time, and uh, I was an entertainment director, and that was strictly microphone work. Greatest job in the world. However, uh, when things hit the fan, you were also the microphone. Uh, you were the first in charge of, you know, I was 24 and it was someone's bright idea to put me in charge of 700 lives if, they, uh, if the poop ever hit the fan, which it did a couple times. So It did. Really? It did. Yeah, like it did. sinking? Uh, no, we had, a, um, we had a fire on board one time. Um, like a little fire or a big fire? Massive fire. Oh. Yeah. Um, it also happened to coincide with uh, Brazil's National Day, sort of like Canada Day, but for Brazil. Oh, okay, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so the uh, <laughs> the Brazilian crew members on board make up quite a large portion of the staff, um, and the crew bar, of course, was the most fun of all the bars on board. Actually, the crew bar on uh, on one dollar drinks for the crew would make more in a day than all 15 other bars combined selling seven eight dollar drinks to passengers wow yeah yeah it's uh it was pretty fun so fast forward to three o'clock in the morning i guess um crew bar is bumping everyone's wearing uh i was uh i was seeing a brazilian girl at the time so she took uh about two hours earlier in the night to um paint my body from head to toe. Uh, it was like leaves and palms and all that. And yeah, that. So yeah, stay with me. Um, 
<laughs> Imagine six hours of drunken dancing before this, and then the lights go on, and you got about you know a couple of minutes max to run up to your room, grab your um, life jacket, grab your uh, first in charge hat. I had a hat with the number one on it, and uh, get down. <laughs> sounds to, like you, childish. Get down to your muster station. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there you know you've got seven hundred terrified people. They can smell smoke. Um, they know there's a serious problem, and uh, here's this twenty four year old guy in body paint telling them it's going to be okay and that he's in charge. Um, yeah, some 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 lovely words came out of the crowd before things calmed down, but. Uh, yeah, the, fortunately, the, the, the ship didn't burn down, and the only person that uh, lost their lives was the person who set the fire uh, intentionally to do that. So kind of a tragic end, but could have been a whole lot worse for yeah. 4,000 other people kind of thing. So For sure. Yeah. So back to real estate. I'm just trying to figure out a good little segue. Yeah, um, I'll take you on all kinds of rides here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you start with putting out fires yeah. in oh, cruise ships. And then go. now, here we go, into yeah, real estate. Putting out fires, there exactly. That's, uh, that's the basis of the job. Body um, paint not included. Or well, depends I mean, on hey, today. depending on the client, right? Yeah. you gotta, you got to gauge your, your clientele. you got to read the room. Um, some clients want the suit. Others might want body paint. You know what I mean? I've had, I've had clients ask to go to Wreck Beach and things like that. All right. Um, Bit of a drive for you, but... Heck of a drive for you, yeah. Um, It's, uh, yeah, you you show up. You show up when called. And uh, I think like most real estate agents, most of my clients wind up being, um, if not long-term acquaintances, then actual friends. Um, it's, uh, It's a pretty, it's a pretty involved job you sort of get entangled in each other's lives their stress becomes your stress and um, their fires become your fires although you're the only one with an extinguisher usually uh, or the number for the guy with the extinguisher whether that's a home inspector a lawyer appraiser whatever Um, yeah you just sort of uh, solve problems and try to take care of them in a professional way as best you can whether you're you know in the office or riding a paddleboard or wreck beach Nice. <laughs> so I had a question that's kind of more of a question for me personally, not really sure. for listeners or whatever. But so I'm at the point now I've been working with Theo for a bit and um, I'm starting to get the hang of real estate, let's just say. Yep. But I don't really have a network, let's say, let's call sure. it. Yeah, yeah. Where do your clients come from? Uh, is it from like just your travels and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. Um, I mean, obviously you can pick them up anywhere, right? Yeah. You could be riding, you could be riding the sky train and be sitting next to a, a multi, multi, multi millionaire, you know, and you strike up a conversation and a few months later, he's asking you to sell his house in West van. And you're like, I met that guy on a bus or a train yeah, or right. whatever. Um, so there's always those super organic ones, but, um, like yourself, when I got into real estate, I didn't have a network because I literally just moved to this town. Right. So outside of a few, um, climbing, you know, dirt bags that I kind of lived in the woods with, I didn't really have a lot of friends. And certainly those, those guys weren't, uh, interested in purchasing property. They're more interested in purchasing that van that they can live in for the next 10 years, which I fully support. Um, but yeah, I had no network and the company that I started with did give me one. Uh, they were uh, the biggest company in town numbers wise. They knew that. Um, they painted a really good picture. But in the end, yeah, you uh, you could sit in the office for days and not have a walk in. Um, so 
two options. Uh, the first is that old uh, that telephone list that they give you, which is pretty tough. Um, I certainly struggled with those. I didn't. I didn't feel like that was really my jam. Um, yeah, I've been picking up the phone a little bit around here with some of Theo's old leads and. Well, an old, I mean, an old leads are right, and if they're coming in in, in like uh, if they're coming in where they're putting their own, if they're making the effort to come yeah. in, then yeah, absolutely, you've got a shot. Um, this was like a like a list of people that basically weren't on the do not call list. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. a really low bar. Hey? It's wow. Yeah. So you'd have these dry conversations with somebody who like they weren't even thinking about selling. They don't even own a house. Half of them. You know what I mean? It's not like a homeowner's list. They don't own money. Uh, just people. You're just calling people. Um, so that was tough. I figured out pretty early on um, that if you farm your local market, if you become the expert in your tiny little region, whether that's an apartment block, whether that's a, a, a block, you know, from, from street 16 to 17, that's your block kind of thing. And it runs, you know, six other blocks long and you just farm the hell out of that. You will eventually get something. Are so, you talking like knocking on doors? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tough. I mean, in a, in a condominium, you're going to do flyer drops, flyer drops work as much as I hate them. Um, cause it's printed paper that is literally just thrown straight in the trash and off to not recycled. Yeah. And 99% of the people don't look at them. Um, those will land, especially in like a 200 unit building, you'll get four or five calls every time. So that would be, I mean, for anyone starting out on this, I would highly recommend, um, looking into flyer drops and don't be afraid to go drop them yourself, figure out a way. Um, you used to be able to, uh, drop them at the post office and just say, stick all these in those kind of thing. And yeah. I think now as they're getting towards that style with the post, um, I think you have to pay for it. Or you something do, like yeah. That. I was looking into it a little um, bit, but to uh, to sort of close that off, I got my network specifically by door knocking. Um, okay. Yeah, I had an older fellow in the office. Um, he basically was talking about when he first started, which was like thirty years ago, kind of thing. Um, he was a door knocker. And I asked a few people in the office, you know, kind of the more successful agents. Um, and we definitely had some really successful agents in there and none of them were doing it. Not a single person in that office. I bet you to this day, not a single person in that office is knocking on doors. It is terrifying and rewarding. It's so much easier than a cold call. It's, it's, you're out in nature, you're out on the street, you're hearing the noises, you're getting smells, you're actually seeing what's going on with these houses, right? You take two steps to the left, boom, there's a carriage house in the back. Okay, I can talk about that. Um, anything, really. And uh, yeah, once you get them at the door and they haven't like slammed it right in your face, obviously it's not going to turn those people, so that's okay. Um, just give them something of value, right? Whether it is a, a piece of paper or um, a, a business card even with maybe a link to a website written on it where you've got uh, local uh, sales, right? Just right. a... Yeah just something they can look at. And that starts the conversation for, you know, maybe maybe they're thinking of upgrading or maybe their kids are looking for a place. Maybe they're curious about pre-sales but have never wandered into one. Um, you can really get people, I think in their homes, they're a lot more comfortable and uh, maybe even a bit more vulnerable. So if you kind of pass the test of standing on their porch, it's, uh, it's way, uh, way easier to sort of take that next step into um, showing them different opportunities and stuff. Yeah. I actually, I went door knocking once around one of the listings we sold up in Lynn Valley. That's right. That's right. You were saying that I, yeah, yeah. please. Yeah. I haven't heard the story. Yeah, no, uh, it was okay. It went, it went fine. I mean, I knocked on maybe 20 or so houses. That's pretty good for your first day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not like my first time ever door knocking. It's my okay. first time ever door knocking, talking about real estate. What, were, what else were you talking about before door Painting. Knocking? 
Painting. Yeah, I did that a student works painting. That's another tough one, but but when you hit, it hits, right? Yeah. Like, and it's cool because like I remember distinctly knocking on one door one time, and I obviously my kind of let's call it my pitch. It wasn't that good. Okay. I was I was kind of like, hey, I'm just looking around the neighborhood to see who might want painting done or something like that. Something stupid, like, but it was along that trajectory. And the guy goes, well, not me, but you know, that guy might, over there might. And like I could tell, and I knew it wasn't like he wasn't actually like giving me a lead or anything like yeah. that. He was just like, "Hey, I got you." You, <laughs> yeah. you asked the wrong question. I was like, guy. and then from that moment on, I kind of realized like the questions you ask are super important, like how the conversation goes, because that guy could have easily been somebody who wanted or who might have needed painting. But if I asked a different question, like, "Hey, when's the last time you painted your house or something like that?" Mm-hmm. Oh well, you know, it's been seven years. It's like, oh yeah, I could tell because that's dripping or whatever. There's there's a, reason I'm there. not, there's a reason I'm yeah. knocking on your door, sir. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, yeah, this went okay. I mean, like I said, I didn't really have the whole speech pattern down. What were you offering? Um, like, like had the house already sold? Was it going up for sale? We sold. It was already sold. So okay. we just basically knocked on the doors and said, the first one I actually did with Theo and then Theo left because two people knocking on a door didn't probably doesn't look that look, good uh, yeah you look like yeah. the uh the people who are trying to convince you to uh join the religion yeah yeah whatever religion that maybe we don't yeah. yeah guys in suits two guys in go. suits yeah. you know exactly what they're like oh and they've got pamphlets mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, i'm not even answering that <laughs> actually uh, i did have two uh this was in in uh, medicine hat when i was younger um i had two mormon guys mow my lawn one time uh i was mowing the lawn and they like came up chatting and I was like, I got it, that's done. And they're like, well, if we, if we help you out, you know, will you listen to our spiel? And I'm like, you know what, man, I will listen to your spiel, but only if you like say it as you're going kind of thing. Um, and yeah, they, they took uh, three guys attacked a 400 square foot lawn. It took 10 seconds. And then I heard all about um, the seer stones and, and all those other interesting things that I knew nothing about for that religion. Um, I didn't sign up, but uh, hey, I think now I, you know you're they got to practice their mode and exactly <laughs> <laughs> right. And you're more knowledgeable on now. Stuff, I more kind of know and not, not, not yeah. I didn't. Well, you have a story it. to tell on a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that's Worst true. That, that is very yeah. true. And a mode lawn. So going back to your door yeah. knocking in, uh, you said Lynn Valley? Yeah. Okay. So actually right by my old school. Oh, so nice. I graduated from Argyle and I was knocking like three streets up, four streets up on Wellington. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so knocked on a couple doors. Just people weren't necessarily, they weren't rude. They weren't nice. They, mm-hmm. It was just a basic conversation. Hey, we sold for up, up the street, a couple doors. Uh, I tried a bunch of different tactics, like any guesses as to what we sold for. Yeah. And the guy, one of the guy was like, no, I don't care. So I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not what we're going for. But anyway. Did, uh, did you have uh, anything in your hand? Yeah, I had the snap stats for the okay. area. Nice. And then uh, kind of like a little sold, like how we did it sort of thing. Like uh, one HD video, um, however many, 1500 views, 10 showings, hmm. five offers, whatever. The that kind stats. Of you hit him with the stats. Yeah, exactly. Nice. nice. Making like sure that. we know we're working. Yeah, yeah. So. I, think, I think my first handouts that I ever did were literally on like almost see-through paper on like a crappy office printer. And it was like six houses that had sold in the neighborhood. Yeah. Three of them weren't even recent. They were just, there wasn't a lot going on there. Um but just showing up to anywhere with something of value, with something to offer, something you can leave behind, mm-hmm. um, yeah. it plants that seed, right? So yeah, exactly. my, uh, 
Yeah, I uh, to be quite honest, I haven't knocked a lot after selling listings since, or sorry, um, before starting with Harcourts. I kind of didn't even think of it. Um, and then now I know you can do like digital drops with Facebook and stuff like that to sort of attack the area. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking is to do like a pre kind of introduction almost. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like even like a little video, like, "Hey, I'm gonna knock on your door in the I'm next coming. coming weeks." Like, imagine that. Hey, <laughs> and I'm bringing my pamphlets. Exactly. <laughs> you're gonna get it, and you're gonna guess the price. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, I'm not leaving. Better uh, do your yeah, homework. It's, it's a good thing it's not America, and they can remove you with force from their lawn. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I am. I'm a big. I'm a big big fan of the knock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my approach. Uh, my approach, I kind of go at it, I think, maybe a little different than most. Um, I actually approach uh, people at their door and, hey, how are you? Uh, look, I'm not here to sell your house. I'm, not, I'm a real estate agent, but I'm not here to sell your house, okay? I just want to show you what's been going on in your neighborhood, let you know that there are other houses for sale in your neighborhood. And also, most people that move to a new area, and I mean, to be fair, I kind of hone this in Britannia Beach, which isn't around, you know, it's 10 minutes from Squamish and it's Furry Creek's five minutes away, but these are all these little pocket communities on a, on a highway, right? right. Um, beautiful views, gorgeous homes, but um, not remote, but maybe out of the way. And uh, so in my, in my spiel, if you will, uh, I would always say that, um, did you know that 80% of people who move to a new area already know somebody who lives in the area? And that's a real fact, apparently. Um, at least when I Googled Stats it that time, it, it came up. Yeah. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> Sold. Um, and it sort of would take, um, it would take the, uh, the aggression, I guess, of knocking on someone's door away. And they would you know, just follow that up with, do you know anyone who's thinking of moving to the neighborhood like any friends or family coming up here having drinks on your beautiful patio telling you they want to live here i'm your guy right i got uh i'm, I'm new to this or maybe i've been doing it for five years depending on where it was and saying that um and you just sort of work those angles too and people the amount of times um even in britannia beach should be you know i would usually go out sort of four o'clock four o'clock to six o'clock right catch them at supper sometimes which can be a little awkward but yeah. um most people, I think, eat kind of after six these days. I think that's sort of the early supper is sort of going out with our parents' generation. Um, yeah, that's totally right. Like, I yeah. didn't even realize it, but like my girlfriends, their, their parents eat at like, sorry, my girlfriend's parents, they yes. eat, not girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend's parents, Singular, not they plural. eat at yes. like five o'clock. And I'm like, I'm not even hungry. Yeah, it's so strange. Like, I think it's, I just, such a, it's a prairie thing too. Yeah. Um, I don't eat, you know, supper until maybe 8.30, 9 o'clock. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's about right for me. Um, but yeah, anyway, the amount of times yeah. I would cruise by at, you know, four o'clock, I'd knock two houses and on house number three, um, you'd get invited in for a beer. Uh, and next thing you know, my car had to stay the night. I'm taking a cab home or walking. Like, it's, it's, wow. you'll never know who you'll meet knocking on their door. Um, first, they want to show you a bathroom they just renovated. And then next, they want to have you out on their patio. They've got the, the friends all there. And you meet 25 new people that you didn't know that are somehow related to this neighborhood. Um, hopefully, you got enough business cards in your pocket because they're all going to take one, right? Huh. If you so, so basically what you do, let me get this right, is you just kind of introduce yourself as a realtor and tell them about, hey, I'm not really here for you, but they kind of, they kind of know you're, kind of know you are there for them, or is it kind of like they just 
go, hey, actually, I was thinking of selling my house, or what does that look like? That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. So if they've even thought about it at all, which I mean, like, it's the west coast of Canada, everyone here who owns homes is paying attention to the housing prices. Um, It's a fact. And even a lot of the people that don't own homes are paying attention to the housing prices because they're frustrated they can't get in the market, let's say. And then you Um, get a news article, and it'll be like, Everything's going to shit. And right. Then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is never going to happen out here. I think the rest of the country could crash. And uh, just we're the California. We get the best weather. Um, the amount of people that are coming from Ontario and places like that where they're just sick of minus 40s. And um, I guess Ontario doesn't see a lot of minus 40, but surely does in the prairies. And uh, yeah, they come out for one visit, one trip. And next thing you know, they're, they're packing up and driving across the country sort of deal. So I don't see Vancouver prices they correct every couple of years by about five percent, and then six months later they're up. Do they even correct, or so. does it just slow instead of going up like yeah. crazy? It just not the truth. Yeah. Um, and now too, like um, a lot of these other markets are not as closely tied to Vancouver as they used to be. Right, Squamish is a great example of that. Um, right. It's its own niche market. It's it, when things slowed down, it didn't slow down. When uh, developers touched the brakes down here a little bit, they were firing up full cylinder up there. There's 40 projects planned for downtown in Squamish, and that's just the downtown area. Um, there's a that's, lot going on there. I remember I, I just saw a movie with The Rock um, where he's Walking like, Tall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a fantastic there you film. Go. I didn't have to go any further um, than that. Yeah, that's a fun one. So the uh, the it, that was filmed the um, the big green building in that where the I guess was supposed to be the the mill. Oof, there we go. Uh, it's called the Pack West Building. And it's right downtown in Squamish. Um, and my very first pre-sale project was right across the street from it. Huh. So using that movie as a line to people that would come up uh, that were roughly like in my age group sort of thing. And like every time they were like, I know that movie. Uh, Free, Willy, like Free Willy 3 or something. Free Willy 3 was filmed entirely there. Lots of movies are filmed in Squamish, lots. But um, yeah, the old, uh, the old Pack West building, that one, that one comes up a lot. Is it still there? Nope. It's been bulldozed. It's owned by a company called Solterra, I believe still has it. And they're going to put Squamish's first eight-story building there. That was my next question. uh, I haven't really... Like, I've driven through Squamish. Max Bylaw is six six. right now, or maybe they have changed it. I know their DP is going to have no problems getting approved. Um, I sat through those uh, those bottles of wine as they discussed it with the mayor a few years back. So um, that one's definitely happening. And it's going to be eight on one end and then six on the other. So that pre-sale building that I um, helped sell out, about three floors are going to lose their entire view of the chief on one end. And then five floors are going to lose their entire view of the chief on the other. So... Um, <clears throat> hey, you already sold them. Well, we knew it was coming. We did try <laughs> did to warn really? them. We said that's owned by a developer right across the street. Oh, they can okay. go at least six like floors high. You know what I mean? Um, don't expect your view to last forever if you're on floor two. But right. also look at your price point on floor two. Um, and they they were affordable. They were great little units. Yeah, pre-sales, right. pre-sales. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I need to discover Squamish a little bit more. I have to come out there. Get yeah, a come on trip up. going. Come on up. Bring uh, bring whatever you're into. Uh, do you climb? Do you? I can. Yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. I got climbing gear. I got yeah. I got three kiteboards. If you want to learn that, Oof. I've always wanted like the thing where you like yeah. fly up in the yeah, air yeah, and yeah. stuff. The full yeah. setup. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, super I'm fun. You got to take the lesson though. You got to yeah. take the lesson first, cause, and I'll take the lesson with you. The lesson is super fun. Yeah. Um, I do this with anyone who wants to get into the sport. Basically, you. We pay the man in the boat, and he's a friend of mine, and uh, he... Client te- of yours? 
No, no. Just uh, I met him before I was ever, before I ever even lived in Squamish. I just, nice. uh, I think it was a Groupon. My friend got a Groupon. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, this hippie dude just showed up in a tin boat and taught us how to kiteboard in just a couple of hours. And then he follows you around with the boat so you're not in the water all the time. Like, because that water's cold, right? right? Squamish is insane cold. Just always. Um, yeah, it's got uh, three just massive rivers just pumping glacier water into it. And awesome. uh, those rivers have like some of the shortest runs too of a lot of rivers. So like they were glacier for, you know, five million years and then now you're that's in it. five minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all the all the river jump spots, the beautiful, um, you know, little secret things that have been built by the, the side of the river and take forever to get to, they're still... Icy, icy cold. Yeah, those Instagram pictures are uh, slightly misleading sometimes for that. Right. Well, I will definitely take you up on that because my sure. parents went two years ago or something like that, three years ago. Oh, that's way too... Dude, it is right there. Don't yeah. you live in North Van? Yeah, but, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I've been kiteboarding. Come on, <laughs> let's go. Um, yeah, kiteboarding is uh, fun. It's like it's like wakeboarding, but you're driving the boat at the same time. As soon as you unlock how, yeah, the, right. how the sail goes, yeah, it's, uh, it's super, super fun. The board part... Not concerned about because like I've wakeboarded, surf, yeah. all that kind of stuff, snowboarded. But the kite, I've never flown a kite. Well, there's kind of um. I mean, I've flown like a little toy kite, but those things are hard to fly. Um, yeah. Legit. The uh, there's a misconception with kiteboarding that you're that you're holding um, that you're holding it with your arms that you're using like the that you're kind of fighting like it, if you will. Uh -huh. Like it's you know you need some arm strength to do that. It's not. It's tied around your waist, oh. and the the arm thing you can move with your pinky fingers. Right, and it's just a bar, and all it does is basically um, trim in the sides of the kite so oh, that it okay. can steer with or without the wind to grab or uh, depower kind of thing. That's does it need to be really windy? And I know we're getting off topic here. Yeah, yeah. Um, like it has to be super windy, or is it kind of like a? Uh, no, it doesn't have to be crazy windy. Um, if it's sort of a low wind, you just use a bigger kite. So that's why oh. I have three. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, the real small ones you would use on uh, on on a big wind day kind of thing. Because uh, you don't want to get 60 feet in the air and then have your kite flip and down you go, your broken neck. Um, it's a pretty safe sport otherwise. And really, if uh, if you get into trouble, you just let go. You just let go and you just... And the kite in. just drops yeah, or what? it just drops. Oh. sits on top of the water. It doesn't sink or nothing, right? It's inflated on one end, so it just sits on top. And then you just kind of... It's cold, though. It's just really cold. I would have loved to have learned that sport in, like, San Diego yeah, or that would be Cabo San Lucas. Well, I mean, in San Diego, you're just surfing. Yeah, true. So, well, they do that too, though. They're, they're yeah. getting into that, right? Kite surfing over big waves. It's insane. These kids are nuts. I just like going from A to B. Yeah. It's kind of like how I skateboard now. If ever get on those things, I just A to B. I haven't been on a skateboard in like, yeah, ever. I think yeah. I was like grade three when I was skateboarding. Was My nephew, uh, about two years ago, um, we were here in North Vancouver and, uh, Chestermere, Chesterman, Chester. Chesterfield. Chesterfield, yeah. Um, Wanted to do a hill bomb at Chesterfield, Ooh. and uh, yeah, yeah I, uh, hadn't, I hadn't done anything that stupid in about fifteen years. Uh, well, you always get. I mean, we're just on Lonsdale here, and you always see skateboarders or like guys on fixies with no no brakes. They're just fixies bombing are, down There's here. another terrifying uh, vehicle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, yeah. man. That's uh, that's next level stuff. But uh, two days ago, you know, I was up on top of uh, the Chief. I went for a hike with a buddy of mine, and um, we're standing up top. This climber comes over the edge and like the top of the chief in that particular spot is very, very slabby climbing, very difficult climbing. Um, not a lot going on there. And we noticed that he was climbing without a rope 
which means he didn't have a partner, which isn't a huge deal, right? There's a lot of people at that caliber in Squamish where, you know, they're free soloing, basically putting their lives at risk every time they touch the rock, which is pretty hardcore. Um, but then to take it up even, uh, even to another level, uh, dude puts down his bag, he pulls out a base jumping rig, oh, and then wow. takes a run off the end of it five minutes later and base jumps his way back down. Like, what? The I mean, at least he doesn't have to walk back or head back down. No, that's exactly it. It's, yeah. uh, it's, I don't know. I, I think he's figured it out. He's figured it out. But, it's definitely um, one way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, some intricate people in that town for yeah. sure. But uh, a lot of a lot of fun. A lot of if you're into outdoor stuff and you want to have two minute access to nature, um, come on up. It is primo. Or stay in North End. Or stay in North Van, yeah. So but they got those yellow gates everywhere, you see. You yeah, walk everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, Squamish sells a couple of them open, so you can get access to a couple different things. But Right. Okay, so another Back thing I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. You have to edit that part out. <laughs> Down, at least, man. <laughs> Half an hour now, yeah. It's color. It's color. It's beautiful. There you go, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, you're doing some cool stuff with developers. Some You got some... Uh, some license that allows you to do something. So let's uh, let's yeah. dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. Obviously, you can explain it a lot better than I can. Probably I'm sure ask questions. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, uh, I needed lots of explaining when I got into it myself. So, um, so we've kind of touched on pre-sale buildings. Um, so I'll just sort of preface this with the why. Um, I was fortunate enough that uh, early in my real estate career, my managing broker reached out to me, and um, our company, our uh, our brokerage had a uh, basically a sub company underneath us called uh, it was I'm not even going to shout them out um, called they were, they were a marketing company and what these guys do quite well I will give them credit for that um, is they take buildings that have not yet been built and they sell every single unit out in them and their goal with that particular company's style of marketing and they've been doing it for a long time um, is to sell that building out in one day. One day. Oh. 100 units, 300 units, 50 units, 500 units, doesn't matter. One day. I saw key marketing or something like that. They sold 50 or something like that. Somewhere on the yeah, fifty is pretty good. Seventy-two hours or something crazy. That's, that's really good. Um, yeah. In this market, I think you could launch a two hundred unit building and have it sold in a day, no problem. No problem. Um, wow. if you could do a, a fifty unit townhouse development, and if it was priced accordingly, um, and you actually spent the money on the marketing, you could do that in a day too. You could have a lineup around the block, a socially distanced lineup. Um, but yeah, you could. Uh, it's in the really hot markets. It's the hottest thing around, and it happened to be going into that. Um, late 20, I guess mid 2016 right. kind of range yeah. where things were just sort of ramping up. So, um, so yeah, I got, uh, I had the opportunity to, um, sit on a project with my then business partner. Um, and we, we almost got it. We sold, uh, we sold about 85% out on the first day. So what happens is they, they pre-market for about six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. And it is on all of your social, all of like, I mean, these guys were running radio ads. Um, yeah, believe it or not, those things still work. And uh, yeah, they were just here, there and everywhere, print marketing, you name it. Um, and we did really well for a 110 unit building um, to get, you know, 87 of them or 90 of them or whatever it was on the first day it was great. Um, there is this fun thing called a rescission week where uh, unlike other product. Um, somebody can change their mind in seven days. 
So within that seven days, it's called Hell Week. Um, basically, anyone that comes through the door is either there to talk about if there's anything left or there to bring one back. And unfortunately, the developers that on that one were greedy, greedy, greedy bastards. Uh, you can leave that in. And uh, <laughs> they, um, they took the uh, expected price per square foot that we had been ballparking to people for six weeks, and they slapped another $150 per square foot on top of that, which was way out of range wow. for the Squamish market at the time. Now it would be considered dirt cheap. But this was a few years ago. So um, people got caught up in the rush and the, and the, and the show and the... And everything of the the launch day itself, because you know your tuxedos, balloons, confetti, um, right. champagne, stuff, yeah. you name it, right? It's they go full on, and people come in the door and they just you know they have their eye on three units and two of them are already gone. Um, not at this particular one, but there's you know there's been fistfights at these things. There's been people throwing chairs at at, uh, at the head of the marketing company while he's banging his little wow. gavel up the front. Um, yeah, some pretty crazy stuff. So uh, we did really well, but we did have massive rescissions. Uh, within that week we like dropped percentage wise what oh, do we you dropped down to like half um yeah wow we lost 30 percent in rescission week it was bananas um people were coming in people's families were coming in yelling at me for ripping off their sons and things like that it was just horrible um sat on that project for nine months before we sold it out um <laughs> never again um, wow. Launching them is way more fun than sitting on them for sure. But um, yeah, that opened the door to more pre-sale opportunities. So I got to be, you know, kind of the person they tapped on the shoulder when they had something coming up. And they did, uh, you know, um, quite a few projects. We sold uh, the first time I actually went on my own with my business partner. Um, we were pulled in early on um, basically as consultants for a project, which was pretty cool because we weren't really qualified to do that. We just sort of had the insider scoop on how it all works. Yeah. That we, would be really cool. Like, that would be something that's totally in line with what I'm doing because I'm yeah. just finishing up the Urban Land Economics Diploma here at UBC. That's right. And uh, I'm actually majoring in market or in uh, development. So. Mm-hmm. That's kind of. This is kind of why I'm really interested in talking to you. Yeah, because, we're gonna circle back to that in yeah. two seconds. Just keep going. This with is already on my going. mind. Um, so pre-sales. Yeah, we basically took. Uh, we cookie cuttered them. Right. We just did exactly what they did. Uh, after we'd sort of advised them, they were the first people to ever do um, two-floor lofts in a building in Squamish. Oh, cool. Which is, I mean, they're amazing units. They're they're so so unique in that town that like, oh, the people that were able to purchase them that were lucky enough to purchase them. Um, we're very, very excited, and now, I mean, with, given what the market's been over the few years since it's completed, yeah, they're pretty happy. So um, that one we sold out. It was a smaller building, but we managed to sell it on our, on our own. And one thing that would keep popping up at these developments was something called a limited partner. Um, and it's a limited partnership. It can be... Um, It'd be broken down into a few different names, let's say, but let's just stick with LP for short. So what would happen is um, usually a day or two before the actual launch day would happen, the developer would have people come in, um, you know, one look at them, you can tell they uh, they probably have a couple of bucks, but sometimes it'd be, you know, Joe Blow carpenter looking guy and he'd come in and say, oh yeah, I'm, uh, I'm one of the LPs. Go, okay. And they would cherry pick. They would basically have first in line ahead of the public and they would cherry pick um, some of the best units. So your goal every time it happened was to actually steer them towards other units, right? Don't take my best corner unit. I already have right. that one sold to these guys. And like, this is a young family. They want it. You're going to use this as an investment, right? Why don't we put you, why don't we put you in 307 around the corner there and you can be by the dumpster. Uh, <laughs> it's a west-facing view. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> it didn't work a lot. No, uh, I did, you, know, you wouldn't have convinced me there. So, so I always wondered, the dumpster, you know, yeah. I, I had a familiarity. I knew how they got in. Um, basically, how you become a limited partner in a developer, or sorry, in a development, is you um, get in with the developer at the cash raising stage, at the fundraising stage, before they've taken out their loans to the bank and things like that. Um, usually, it's somewhere in the development permit phase. Um, often, the developer will put up his own funds as sort of a, a, a show of, of will and, and and standing behind what he what he believes in and his project and his dream. Sometimes though, developers show up with not a penny in their pocket. They just are sitting on some land that their uncle and uh, left to them or something like right. that, right? Um, so it was always a big mystery, right? Um, these there was meetings going on before I was sitting in at the same table, and I wanted to know. Who was coordinating that? How did that work, right? If I don't have enough money to be a limited partner myself, or I'm not in that club, how are they arranging that club, right? I, eventually, I started tripping across advertisements, um, and they looked different than a standard real estate advertisement. They were investment advertisements, right? As my, um, I guess, as my own status went up, I was. Uh, shopped uh, via the online algorithm uh, to start showing me different product, right? Instead of looking at Nikes, now I'm looking at uh, land assemblies kind of thing. So in that, I always said um, I didn't get into real estate to be a realtor. Um, I got into it to, to, to do something sort of epic, right? You know, um, And I think I, my goal, my eventual goal one day would be to design and, and be a big part of a large project um, and really put, put a stamp on something, you know, say I created that. Uh, I think that would be, for me, the dream. Um, so this, uh, I recently got tapped on the shoulder. Um, a friend of mine had just gotten her license and uh, shout out Meg. And she asked me basically, you know, you're familiar with this stuff, you know, all of the other pieces of the puzzle. Um, why don't you have a talk with these guys and see if they can set you up? And it gave him a shout, got along great. Um, it's a company called Waverly Financial. Shout out Don, shout out Adam. And uh, shout yeah. out Oliver. Shout out Ollie's on the way. Um, and basically, yeah, so what this is, is it's a private securities license. So it's similar to um, any, you know, like a mutual fund dealer or a stockbroker or an investment dealer, things like that. Uh, it's, it's just the investments that I'm uh, working with are on the private market. So they're not publicly traded funds, they're shares in um, projects instead of companies. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then within that, there's a bazillion different categories you can land in as far as specialties and stuff. Obviously mine, uh, going to be development real estate, right? That's, and, and that's the only thing you can do with your license? Or yeah. is it like, okay. yeah. um, and so that, you pick and then you're not just like the best at it, but you're only allowed to do it? Well, yeah. I mean, you can have multiple, like if your brokerage is licensed for multiple things and you've taken the course for multiple things, then yeah. Like right. for me to branch off into a mutual fund course wouldn't be impossible right now, right? No, but you'd have to do the course is yes. what I'm saying. You can't yeah. just go and be like, oh, yeah. well, you know, this doesn't really... Exactly. So, I like it as um, much. Yeah, I'm an, I'm, I work for an exempt market dealer. I'm a sales right. uh, representative basically for that. Um, and yeah, so that license is is very new to me. Um, it's extremely interesting stuff. And it's exactly where I want to be sitting at the table um, with these guys so that uh, not only, you know, not only am I making great money doing something I'm quite familiar with, which is uh, you know, launching projects, right? It's just I'm getting to do them at a way earlier part of the game and then I get to come back along later on and hopefully sell it too. So and it also sounds like it's something you're passionate about. It is. It gets like, me excited. Yeah. yeah. It really does. Um, I mean I love working with uh, with 
the the standard real estate side of things. But I mean, even Harcourts, I switched to Harcourts because they did the auctions. That to me was appealing. That that was something new and fresh and something I could learn and sink my teeth in. My first listing with Harcourts was an auction. Oh, cool. um, yeah, it's uh, if you believe in it and you want to stand out, I think there's there's so much more potential in a niche than there ever is in just trying to be the super agent. Um, it, it's only a handful of people that get lucky enough to be the super agent or maybe born into it or handed, you know, maybe they got uh, someone's Rolodex at one point in time because he was retiring. Um, it's not, you know, 95% of realtors are not killing it, killing it, I don't think. Um, there's really just a big fish. And so for me, this is kind of an opportunity to kill it in a different way where it was less competing with people directly, I guess, and more more sales focused more hustle yeah and you know it's also I, mean? I understand it too because like you want to specialize and you want to be good at one specific thing and you can actually go and say hey like i i know everything to do with this specific product yeah. rather than just like hey i'm a really good realtor we take really cool photos and we definitely put your house on mls totally like, okay, yeah well that's kind of cool it, but it is, what else and i think now with like COVID and stuff too and the uh, so I've, i was the first person in squamish to do 3d matterport walkthroughs really yeah wow. nobody had done one actually that's not true scott todd i think uh he's now retired um he did one in whistler and uh he kind of kind of set the tone up there you'd see them pop up every now and again um i was doing them on every listing and i was paying through the nose because when those things first came out man they could just charge whatever the hell i wanted but they worked so well and the fact that people weren't willing to spend that four or five hundred bucks on a 1500 square foot place um to get that listing to have that matterport it was just it was like a it was like a I don't know, uh, a secret jewel in my pocket that I could just pull out at any time. And I mean, I didn't lose a listing presentation until, I don't know, sometime last year, I guess. First time I ever didn't like walked in and didn't get one. Hmm. Um, wow. Even competing with, you know, four or five other realtors and stuff, especially in that town. They're um, something about the old guard. They're just not as creative, right? If you can be on the cutting edge, you don't necessarily have to be Mr. Computer Savvy. You just have to have a number for the guy that is, right? And be willing to maybe spend some, throw some money at it and and appreciate the fact that you're going to get some money back in your pocket too. So sometimes, yeah, you got to spend a little, spend a little to make a lot. Yeah, I feel like right? real estate is such a weird business that mm. like, I mean, obviously business, all businesses, they want to take as much profit as possible, but it's like we for realtors sometimes forget that you actually do have to spend money on different things. Oh, and it, goes, there. it gets right out of hand sometimes yeah. too. You turn around and you look at your bills for the last few months and you're like, I spent $10,000 on marketing? <laughs> what the hell? What did I, I didn't even, there was a guy just bombing down the street. Yeah, on I just yeah. saw him <laughs> fixie. Uh, damn, those guys are crazy. Um, the, uh, I was speaking with one of Squamish's most successful realtors a few months back. Um, and I think, I think she actually told the same fact to Theo, but, uh, Oh, the social media thing. hundred mm, yeah. K, right. hundred K one year on marketing. Wow. But, um, if you went through the, the MLS and, and tallied up all her listings and even, even if you gave every one of her clients a deal, um, she's done very, very well to cover for that. I mean, you call that 3%, you know, that's a pretty good year. So, yeah. but there's only one or two of those in town. So personally, I love selling a house. I, love, I mean, listing for people and getting uh, permission to like enter into their lives and be a part of their process. Love it. Um, there's something very, very uh, rewarding when you help someone sell their house for more than they thought it was worth. Or um, look at that, look at our guy last week. 
Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> it uh, came out of nowhere. Saved a hundred k off of the original asking price. And I in helped this market. too. That was so. Yeah. Much, yeah okay. So. so I'm just gonna lay this out there for <laughs> for the people who are just listening. If you are. Um, Basically, uh, I had a client fall into my lap. It was, uh, and I was actually just going to touch on um, how much more effective organic uh, uh, word of mouth leads are mm-hmm. versus advertising. But um, <laughs> cops getting this, yeah, the hill bombers. Um, oh. So, a friend of a friend, uh, a dear friend of mine, I, I've sold property for her, and uh, she was another one who did so well in a really strange circumstance. But um, basically, get a call from a guy, need some help. He'd already offered on a property. Uh, it was overpriced, listed at uh, three seven nine. Um, he had his deal collapsed due to financing, even though he had a bunch of cash to put down. And uh, yeah, we formulated a plan. Um, they had dropped the price to uh, incite some offers. Right. And then uh, they were looking at them on the Friday. So we came in uh, hot and heavy handed on Friday. Uh, The property had two deals collapse on it. Um, And me and uh, and this guy right here, Ollie, just uh, managed to make an all cash offer for um, more than more than one hundred thousand less than the original offer or sorry, than the original asking price and one hundred thousand less than his original offer. And it is the hottest market that Canada has ever seen. Now, yes, it's a rural property and yeah. Yeah, it's a manufactured home. I mean, there's a reason the financing sucked on it, right? But um, it's on a beautiful lake. It's exactly where that guy wants to be. Um, he got everything he wanted in the shortest amount of time, and somehow we managed to beat out another offer. Um, the power of the power of the cash, the cash is king. So uh, collectively, uh, that's mine and Oliver's first deal together, and uh, it worked out really, really well. So, just did, um, I ran the numbers just now. To 63.6%. 63.6% of the original? That's, yep. You should text that to our guy. He'll love that. Yeah. I love that. 63%. <laughs> That's the best <laughs> deal I've ever gotten a client ever, I think. And I helped. Yeah. You couldn't have done it without you, man. I was driving. I was driving to a listening appointment, just uh, screaming incidentals into the phone with crappy phone service and a hangover, um, trying to get to my uh, four-hour <laughs> meeting that I got pulled into. One-hour, uh, one-hour listening presentation turned into four, and uh, and yeah, definitely that that deal was all you. I just did the talking. Yeah, so that works out. Um, going back to the security thing, though, and how that all kind of brings everything together for me. Um, basically, it allows me to not only have a niche specifically with with an area to grow, but it's also something that works in tandem with my real estate business, as opposed to me branching off and doing a different thing. Yeah. And that I think for me is is now I got you know I. I'm not sleeping much, but I got my, I'm, a, I'm busy, you know, I'm busy. My fingers are in everything. I'm learning so much, absorbing so much. And, I'd way uh, rather be busy than not be busy. Yeah, the busier you yeah. are, the more doors you knock on get opened, right? Exactly. So, and yeah. I mean, that could be a straight analogy for door knocking <laughs> I, I in itself. Yeah, it's a numbers <laughs> game. Just go for it. Yeah. Uh, do 50 doors, you'll get a listing for sure. Uh, there's a few times when I've, uh, in my early career, I'd be down to some pretty low bucks in the bank account and I'd wake up and like, today's the day. Today's the day. You're putting on your nice shoes. You're going door knocking. Of course, it would rain. You're like, get an umbrella. And uh, tell I you what, you door knock in the rain. Yeah. yeah. Even better, right? Yeah. 
you're just getting after mm-hmm. it every which way. So yeah. 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 And there's Trump also, soaked in. I think for people our age too, like you're quite a bit younger than me, but I have the benefit of looking somewhat younger than I am. Um, a button up shirt, you know, button up shirt and some nice jeans and a belt. Like people will let you in. It doesn't take much to just be presentable. If you yeah. will, right? Um, I've had agents. Yo, he's loving the Hawaiian shirts and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's I mean, like hey, that's his thing. That he's, that's his thing. He and when I hate, just do it because he's like <laughs> so squared away in every other aspect of real estate. Yeah, but every he just, uh, every we'll agent wear in Hawaiian Squamish shirt. pretty much is doing uh, blunt stones and flip flops all summer. And I'm up Those there. Are Jesus shoes. The yeah, stones? yeah, yeah. And I'm rocking. Uh, I'm rocking the uh, well. Blunt stones are the boot. The the cowboy looking boot. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about like the Air Jesus, like the ones you. Played game seven in against the Romans. The sandals. Oh, those are, uh, aren't those Birkenstocks? Yeah, that's the yeah, look you're going yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they had belt buckles back then, but huh, yeah, that's whatever. the look. Um, yeah, that's it's. I mean, the the laid back organic lifestyle it works in Squamish, and, and obviously I know when to wear a suit and when to wear jeans. Um, but most of the time, yeah, I, I throw on. Go to Winners. Get yourself a seventy dollars suit that fits like crap. Take it across the street to a tailor. She'll make it fit great. Uh, you know, you're, you got a ball and suit for under a hundred bucks. You rock that thing every Saturday, Sunday, man. People keep coming. And then that's yeah, also it's all about the fit of a suit. It like, is. Not yeah, really, yeah. like the yeah. quality. Nobody, nobody's like feeling your oh, fabric. Nobody cares. Cares. They wouldn't yeah. care. They're just like, man, that's fitting you good. It's a nice yeah, suit. Exactly. Like, have you seen my shoes? <laughs> I got How the winners too. How often do you really look at a man's shoes? <laughs> yeah. Shoes and belts. That's the, uh, that's the only accessories we got. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's find your niche, find your niche, and, and exploit it, and then stay interested. Keep le- keep learning, keep moving. Um, even in the past few months, just with transitioning into um, the securities world and stuff, my real estate business was on fire, um, and now it's it just gave me a little bit of a reprieve at the right time to kind of go there and soak up information and and sort of really focus on that. And I mean, obviously, even make some money while I'm doing it. Um, and then eventually here in the next little while, I'm going to find that nice balance, right? Where I know that material so well. I'm already very well versed in the real estate side of things. Um, yeah, just onward and upward, I guess. Right? And then one day I won't have to do any of it. I'll just live on a sailboat. Ah, well, I hate boating. I always say that. My parents just got a boat last year. Afraid of water? Or? Yeah, um, like a 32-foot cruiser powerboat. <sighs> Are you afraid of water? No, I'm not afraid no, of water. Okay. You just oh, don't sorry. like boating? I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> I, I hate boating. You hate boating. Okay. Because, so I'll give you the one, I think the, the the story that best sums it up really. So they got the boat. Neither one of them knew how to drive it. And it's, keep in mind, two big V8s, dual prop type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, big boat. Yeah. So you don't just get in and, and know how to drive it. You have to kind of do a little bit of research. So I watched some YouTube videos all about all the maneuvers. Yeah, YouTube has your back these yeah, days. Exactly. But you still have to actually get in there and, and, and learn how to how it actually feels, right? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so like I was really nervous because I just got the boat from one marina. We had to bring it to the other one, to our marina. <laughs> I don't know um, where this is going. I'm rolling down the window. What do you think that boat's worth? Brand new, or how right? much has it depreciated? <laughs> Brand new. What about all the other boats in that marina? Oh no! Also, <laughs> <just> stories <laughs> getting better and better. Okay, I'm gonna shut up. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, stressful situation. Let's call it. How old are you? 22. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, this I, is last summer. Did you this say is last summer? Oh, sorry, I missed that. Um, yeah. Okay, last summer. Yeah. Yeah. So last summer. So anyway, I I got the basic idea of how to drive the boat, 
but on the water a lot of different things happen which is also why i hate boats because if you leave a boat it's not necessarily where you last left it Mm -hmm. like a lot of things have to go right in order for it to be where Mm -hmm. you last left it uh anyway so yeah rolling down the windows getting all my checks done firing up the engines i fire up the engines and i still have like a bunch of stuff that i'm you know preparing myself mentally and all that and my stepmom unties it she just unties the boat she's like it's getting dark pushes us off into the middle of the marina kayakers behind me Uh uh-oh never driven this boat before and i'm just like you have to basically use like the throttles like one backwards and one forwards and it kind of like turns a boat kind of like an excavator bobcat style yeah, yeah yeah exactly so yeah i'm trying to figure that out and not hit kayakers and not hit any other boats and then once i got out of that marina i feel like i'd rather hit a kayaker than a boat though you know depends (laughs) (laughs) on a number of factors speed's important yeah definitely (laughs) anyway so uh yeah have you seen that episode the new top gear episode uh, like, new uh, Top Gear? No. But oh, I do okay. love old Top Gear. Right. Yes. Well, they, they did a boating special where they went like down in Vietnam or something. They had a bunch of boats and they were shenanigans. But obviously, they don't pay for the boats. No. Amazon pays for the boats and Amazon has a lot more money. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's kind of what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Got out into the middle of the water. This is in Seashell, by the way. So, when we got back to our marina, which isn't, wasn't a far ride or anything okay. like that. And luckily, it was a calm day. Which uh, which marina is your marina? So if you've ever been there, it's like at the very end, there's like that restaurant of the inlet. Yep. Yeah. So it's that marina there. What's that place the, called? Uh, Lighthouse Pub. Lighthouse. I've eaten there. I've, yeah. It's, it's which, a good spot for a beer if you're ever on the Sunshine Coast. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. So we're, on, we're back in the boat. We're back in the boat. <laughs> and I'm going to the marina and it's like the slip is kind of, it's like a bunch of fingers that are kind of parallel to the shore, I guess. You've seen it, right? Yeah. On the other side are float planes, like oh, yeah. million dollar float planes, yeah, right? Yeah, like a couple they, million bucks. Yeah, exactly. And the the boat's so big that the plane wing, oh well, it overhangs first of all mm-hmm. into like our marina, and if I messed up, then I'm hitting that plane wing. Top of the boat. Yeah, that's how tall your boat is. Yeah, so I had to like go in and do this like pivot maneuver and and do like a parallel park and hey, hey it worked. You got it though. Yeah. So, but it sucked. So you didn't hit any kayakers. You didn't hit any boats, and you didn't strike any planes? No. That's and a win. I, you I should love it. boating. Yeah, but There's I just an Instagram hated. account you should follow. It's the Qualified Captain. <laughs> Check that out. That'll, uh, that'll boost your confidence in boating yeah. for sure. Um, anyway, it just... It, and there's so many other times that, like, just the slightest gust of wind will just screw up your entire plans. Like, you think... You know how with a car, if you parallel park it and you kind of like mess up, you go, ah, well, mm. dang, okay. Well, your car's and not you moving just, away from the curb. <laughs> no, exactly. Everything, you, if you just stop doing anything, you're fine. Yes. <laughs> but yes. With, a boat, with a boat, if you stop doing anything, you're in a really, really, really bad spot. You're yeah. like, you've already, you have to be good enough. So if you make a mistake on a boat, you have to be good enough to correct the mistake in a timely fashion. And I mean timely, like right away. Oh, absolutely. So you have to be better than you are, or you have to like really work well under pressure to like get True. the boat from hit, to keep it from hitting other boats. So have you only driven the boat then in sort of the marina environment? At that point, yeah. But okay. Yeah. So I was going to so, say, that's going to that's gonna really affect your psyche on, on boats. Well, but then you go out and you can't really drink if you're like bringing it back captain. in. Yeah, for sure. You gotta As be, a captain. Uh, you got to be the sober one. Uh, yeah. What about sailboats? You ever been a part I've of riding been a sailboat? On a sailboat and sailed I sailed while it's sailing or yes. just under motor? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But I also 
didn't like I didn't do any of the sailing. I just gotcha. I was there. So gotcha. Yeah, yeah. You I'm do, not uh, against sailing. I'm not yeah. against boating. Yeah. I just don't want to drive or own a boat. And like their money pit as well. They are a huge money pit. Yeah, that's why everything we'll, uh, goes wrong. Always I'll go sailboat all day. Yeah. Um, I believe it or not, even growing up in Toronto and the prairies, uh, I was a sea cadet for nine years really? when I was a teenager. Yeah. Oh. Um, so they used to uh, send us out on summer camps to go sail out here, and uh, they had one in Saskatchewan of all places. Um, but yeah, sailing sailing's very very comfortable for me. Were you on those little lasers? Oh those yeah, kind of things oh, are like yeah. the full size. No, that's they teach you on the lasers on the local lake. Yeah, uh, and then eventually you just upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. There aren't so. any lakes in Saskatchewan, are there? Oh yeah, there's <laughs> there's one or two. Um, <laughs> I remember flying over down, it and it was just like potholes. Down, yeah, down south it's a little more bleak. You got just brown rivers and the occasional big lake. But um, yeah, as so you go to northern Saskatchewan, there's some really nice stuff up there. Um, Sailing. My uh, so the first time I was ever actually on a boat in general, I think period. Maybe I went on one when I was younger in Toronto, and like not counting ferries and things like that. Yeah. Um, my uh, parents had had made friends with the uh, parents of some kids I was playing baseball with, and uh, they had a sea do. And so we all went out to the lake, and the parents handed us the keys. I think it was maybe, you know, 12 at this point, with my brother. And, uh, of course, he was older than me, so he got to drive it. I was just on the back, and he just basically spent an hour flinging me off the back of it. But he was doing all so many donuts and then going back through his wake, like doing duck dives, right. that he overloaded the pump, um, the bilge pump in the bottom of it, which sends all the water out the back. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of this lake, with no one around, we sunk that sea dew. So we had life jackets on. Oh, wow. And either one of us was holding on to the handles with the nose of the sea dew, yeah, like yeah. maybe out of the water, six inches kind of thing, right? That's all you could see is two floating heads and like a sea dew <laughs> beside us. And this thing was new. Like this wasn't in, this was the mid, you know, mid to late nineties kind of thing. It was not, this was a nice expensive unit. And yeah, we sunk the shit out of that thing. And, uh, that was the end of that. It, uh, it went, it went pretty bad from there. I don't think that CD ever ran the same. I don't think those friends of the parents were ever, uh, were really that close after that. Well, I can see where it went wrong, that whole situation. Mm. So when you said you got to the lake mm. and they gave you and your brother the keys, I think that moment right there. A 14-year-old and a 12-year-old? Yeah, they're, they're out of their minds. Um, absolutely. Although it is the prairies, right? Yeah. So, you know, I have a friend of mine who talks, uh, he tells a good story about going to pick up his dad from the bar. Uh, and he, he was a rural kid. He lived out of, out of town a little bit. But he would get in the tractor at 2 o'clock in the morning, and he would drive the tractor to town to go get his dad in the tractor. And then he'd drive his dad home at 7. Like, Okay. That's Alberta. Good deal. <laughs> that's Alberta. That's, uh, yeah, that's uh, not. No, don't give the the personal watercraft to the kids, that, especially if it's brand new. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, after that, I, I just I'm a water baby. You know, Ontario's full of lakes, and and it just kind of stuck. So I had the opportunity um, one summer to to stay on a boat um, based out of Victoria, and it was uh, pretty much just a giant uh, pirate ship. Um, it's called the Pacific Swift, and uh, the program was called Salts. And basically what they do is, uh, it's quite funny, um, they have kids come on, and it's a summer camp, and the kids think they're going to go roll around for 10 days on this big, beautiful, old, you know, 100-year-old wooden boat. Like, we're talking, you know, three masts, uh, 12 sails, a huge boat. Oh, like, and like Jack Sparrow? Yeah, like um, the, the movie White Squall, if you've ever seen that one, where they do some school, and it's a great movie. Again, or like it, Sweet Life on Deck? 
Uh, that is that the one with the uh, the yachts? No, that's the one where I think it's like you know, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Yes. All right, so it's like they're on a cruise ship. <laughs> Beauty. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can relate to that. Um, yeah. So they uh, these kids would come on and they would think that they were just like going to get you know driven around for the summer or the, however many days, and they just immediately get put to work. Right. <laughs> like we'd uh, they would have all like everything. Like you're shining the bell today and you're you know waxing the deck. You guys are going to you know no safety harnesses. Just go up there and unfurl those sails. And what year is this? Uh, this was ninety nine, ninety eight, somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, I got to sail it around Vancouver Island and, and nice. pulled in all kinds of places. And that for me was, that's where it all started for the West coast for me. And it's just been the same way ever since. Yeah. Good deal. I saw the boat the other day, um, in really? Victoria it blew my mind. Yeah. Wow. I was so stoked. <laughs> so stoked. I was like, there it is. Wow. Um, people I was having drinks with did not relate as well, but I, uh, yeah, that, that boat, hey, they that boat changed that my bell. life. Yeah. That's, that's, that was the, that was when, you know, I fell in love with the West coast and I knew that this is where I will be. Um, and yeah, just fist fighting my way back here ever since. And here you are. Yeah. 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 Uh, furthest West I've lived so far is Parksville, but I'm spending a lot of time in Victoria too. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I guess Tofino or Haida Gwaii might be the one. Haida Gwaii I think would be the one to get to the most West. I think it's just yeah. kicked out a little bit. Right. Yeah. Cool. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? What else do I got? Uh, Any other cool stories, activities? Working on a cool project in Kelowna. Um, this is kind of actually excite, like really excites me. Like it's a part of my project. Um, yeah. Um, so this is uh, we're in the the, the the fundraising phase at the okay. moment. Um, so we're working with uh, a lot of cold leads um, coming in off of um, some really good advertising that they've put out. But um, what excites me the most about this project is they're they're realizing what we pre-sale realtors have been begging for this whole time. So when developers start a project, they love a two bedroom, right? It's a cost thing. Um, they often, because of their age, um, you know, a lot of them are 60 plus by the time they hit that point. And uh, they, they want to build what, what basically they grew up in or what they had when they were in a right. condo yeah. one time, right? They want a two bedroom, thousand square feet, 1100 square feet. Um, <laughs> they take forever to sell because they're usually at the price point difference between that and a one and den or a bachelor. It's just, it's massive. Right. So right. they wind up doing most of the building in twos and you want bachelors, right? I want, you want the bachelors. So this project is taking what has sort of been picking up a lot of steam lately over the last couple of years, which is the micro suite. Um, basically oh, anything, yeah. anything under about 350 square feet, right? We're talking bachelors here. Um, they're doing, they're changing the name to it and changing the name of it, sorry, uh, to smart suites because it is a small suite, but they're going to do cool stuff to save you space. Murphy beds, Murphy beds that turn into stuff like your coffee table or your TV stand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, some really unique uh, vision, I guess, for what they got in store there. That's really exciting. But then also they've realized that the uh, if you're going to do smaller suites and you're going to cater to that young professional um, lifestyle, right? Somebody that doesn't want to be home 24-7, 365, uh, you got to crank the amenities up in these buildings, right? And a lot of the amenities in buildings kind of suck. They're like, ooh. They're not used. They're just like, oh, well, we technically had to put an amenity space. So yeah. here's a couch and a TV. And Here's two exercise machines that are from <laughs> yeah. the 80s, right? Like, yeah. And they're, they're, they're in a crappy little room that nobody wants to be in. Exactly. So you're these not working guys, out there. You're just 
looking at it because it's kind yeah. Of bad. Or even look, man, go downtown. I've never seen anyone in a pool. Like if it's an yeah. indoor pool, they're never in the pool. I gotta say, Argon, uh, they did a really good job on. Um, in, you know that island between Anasis and New West. Yeah. Yeah, a little outcropping there. Um, they had that. We, we just bought a place out there for a buyer, and cool. the gym is fantastic. Like it has a full squat rack, bumper plates. And when you walked in, everything. you noticed it, right? And I was like, holy shit! <clears throat> holy shit! Like this is what I, it sold for yeah, me. Sold. Exactly. Like, that's Straight the up. thing is and our guy was also like a big you know workout kind of guy as geez. well so. when you uh when you run into those take things a lot. and they're cheaper a squat rack is like 1500 bucks yeah. 2000 bucks right a bike what three, three grand a treadmill four. three grand yeah yeah staying with that though um yeah. these guys aren't saving a ton of money on that how are we doing for time uh yeah, four. Sure. okay um these guys are cranking up the amenities so they have the rooftop deck has like a yoga area lounge area that people will actually use okay. it's it's covered so that you can use it when it's raining because they always do that they have rooftop decks with no cover and you're like it's we live in the rainforest yeah rainforest you said this is Kelowna though this is Kelowna but the oh, rainforest yeah. Squamish rooftop decks in Squamish I love them but like the wind there blows a million miles an hour so when you put up your umbrella you're just launching umbrellas down at the neighbors <laughs> parking their car right it's dangerous and then nobody uses it right so yeah. these guys have taken that they're two bikes okay these guys actually did bikes but they're doing peloton bikes right they're doing okay. a whole bank of them making it cool um golf simulator Ooh, right sold. i would use that Kelowna. Kelowna is like golf town canada yeah so i i'm just inspired by their ability to take advice and be and be sort of on the cutting edge like i think this is going to be the kind of building that'll win Awards, I really do. It's uh, it's the micro suites themselves, or sorry, smart suites themselves. Uh, they're gonna clock in about 312 square feet, and the whole building is like I think it's 60 to 66 percent of the building is gonna be those. They're oh. gonna be they're gonna be starting in price in the 250s. 250s. That means somebody could make somebody who makes 35k a year could get in on that. They can just straight up buy and own. They a could place. buy it. It's wow. it's affordable housing that's purchasable. What are the rental restrictions going to be like on there? No, no idea. No, have at her. <laughs> <laughs> Love Just it. scoop up like five of those. Yeah, exactly. Right. And wow. I mean, there will be people that will do that. They'll oh, yeah. be, they'll be hard to get in the like hands of the, you know, the average, uh, young person because there'll be so many people just, um, yeah, these guys are, I'm really excited to be a part of that. That one's, that yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah. I want to keep, I want to yeah. hear more about that. Shout out, uh, so. shout out five crossings. It's going to be called five crossings. That'll be the building name. Yeah. All right. You heard it here first, there I guess. Maybe second. I don't know. You heard yeah. it here. That's well, for sure. It's early. <laughs> it's very early actually. Yeah. DP hasn't gone through. I think it's about a week away from that. So it'll actually, be, no. this podcast will be out next week. There you go. There you go. It'll be perfectly it'll be out. timed. It's out. It's out. It's yeah. out right now. You're listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We've been going for an hour 15 now. I know a lot of that was boating related stuff, but welcome whatever. to real estate. I know. Yeah. That's 99% of my conversations have nothing to do with the sale. There you go. <laughs> All right. Where can people find you if they're looking for you? Uh, if if they're you're looking, looking for me, buy, sell. Oh man. Hit me on Instagram. West.coast.realtor, West Coast Realtor, Bradley Harris. Um, that's probably the fastest way to get a hold of me. I dropped my phone number and my, my email, but you're not going to write those down. West Coast Realtor, Instagram. Uh, haven't had Twitter for a bit and had to get away from that. It's a little yeah. bit toxic on there. Um, yeah, West Coast Realtor on pretty much any other app, gaming, you name it. It's me. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Right Thanks on. for coming out. Thank you we'll for be having back me, on man. For sure. This is a lot of fun. I want to do this again soon. Absolutely. Right on. Cheers.